Welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming. Um, yeah, we're excited about this. We're excited about starting these nights and um, embarking on a conversation about how we all fall deeper in love with Jesus, because that's really at the core of our heart. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm just going to pray. I, I was I was preparing this morning. I was just sitting and 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 just praying and thinking about tonight. And as I was doing that, I just felt Lord Lord lead me to to actually write a prayer down out of Scripture. And so I'm just going to do that if that's okay. And, and I'm just going to pray before we start. And then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do a, a quick introduction, um, just to give you an idea, a snapshot of what the heartbeat behind this is. Um, which I think will land you in a place where you'll understand um, the trajectory of where we want to go with this. Um, but in all of that, we want to hold it loosely and we want to allow the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do in and through us tonight and all the nights that we, 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 we come together with this. Um, so let me pray, let me pray, and um, we'll get started with, with the intro. Father, search our hearts, Lord. Know our hearts, test us. Know our anxious thoughts. All the thoughts contrary to your ways. See if there is any offensive way in us. And lead us in the way everlasting. Lord, have mercy on us according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out our transgressions against you. Only have we sinned, Lord. We repent. We thank you for sending your Son, whose sacrifice washes us clean. The veil is torn, Lord, and we approach your throne. Create in us a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Do not cast us from your presence, or take Holy Spirit away. Restore to us, Lord, the joy of your salvation. And grant us a willing spirit to sustain us. So that we would go into all the world, preaching your good news and making disciples. That we would see sinners turn back to you, Lord. Father, we pray that we would know that the blessings God has promised his holy people are rich and glorious. And that we will know that God's power is great for us all believe, that we would only look to you, Lord, look to your strength and to your face. In Jesus' name, amen. So I thought what we did, and most of you guys have been here before at the worship night, so I won't, I won't labor on it too much, but essentially with Ms. Spa, the heartbeat behind it is simply this, and you'll see it written up there. Um, we just had a sense, a strong sense when we moved here that God said, just provide a space where believers can come, but not exclusively believers, to align and realign their compasses true north to Christ by communing with a community of believers that desire to have Christ at the center of their hearts. And then this is the important part, and then to wash out and establish the kingdom of God. So it was never a space to congregate. But it was always a place to come and do what, to allow God to do what he needs to do in our hearts and then to wash out and establish the kingdom of God. And so with that, 
um, obviously, most of you would know, we started with the worship nights. But almost at the start of all of this, God had put in our hearts this idea of a conversation night. And at the core, I suppose, of the collective that come together here is, a, is the pursuit of obedience to Holy Spirit. A life yielded to God, a life in service to God. And so when, he, when, we, when we got here, one of the other things that he put on our hearts was um, this idea of conversations, this idea of coming together and, and wrestling this idea of coming together and just sharing, encouraging, correcting each other in the pursuit of Christ. And so these nights were born, and, and the idea behind the conversation is so important because it's a two-way uh, street. It's not just someone sitting there preaching at you. This is meant to be um, for all of us to be involved in and to interact and to share our thoughts I learned many years ago that, you know, I, I use this phrase, and I don't know if it's sacrilegious, but often we, we see the mole on God's neck and we think we see his face. He's a big God. And when we start to see him in each other, we see more of him. And when we look to each other and look for Christ in each other, we see more of him. And when we listen to each other, we, we hear more of his voice. And so it's important that we engage in conversation because we learn from each other. So this morning as I was, I was kind of preparing, God took me to Hebrews 3, 7 to 14. I'm just going to read it out for you. So as Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so none of you is hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So our heart at Mispa is to create a space where we can come and encourage each other, spurring each other on to greater hunger and thirst for God's presence through conversation, worship, and prayer. The ability to have open conversation where the wrestle is not taboo, where feedback is not frowned upon, where hearts are jogged, encouraged, and healthy soul is cultivated. This is vital to Christian maturity. And it's a hard to see it happen here. It's interesting that Paul says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to people who once followed Christ or once were sensitive to the Holy Spirit but no longer are. And I thought I'd share a quick testimony. You know, when, when we hear this, it's really easy to, to kind of go straight and assume that it's, it's, it's targeted or it's directed at that obvious backslider, you know, someone who's was once following God and, and isn't now. But I know in my own life, you know, I gave my life to Christ at 16. I was a little Hindu boy and got saved. Holy Spirit came upon me. And, and I've always loved God, always served, and always remained in church all, all that time. You know, I'm 52 now. 
um, to the point of serving on boards and doing all of that sort of stuff. But what I'd say is in those years, there were seasons of following Christ. And then there were seasons, probably many seasons of just religious practice, just turning up, serving, going to church, doing what I have to do, but not seeing transformation, not being transformed to his likeness. So when you hear this word, perhaps we need to be jogged because we can be doing all the right things, but we could be hardened towards Holy Spirit. So our heart with these nights are that we would separate the doing, the striving, the performing, the expectations, and we would focus on the heart. Understanding what Christ has done to appropriate us, but understanding that it's our responsibility to cultivate healthy heart, cultivate healthy soil, and then to understand why. Ephesians 4, Paul urges us to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. I suppose my question is, do we understand that? Do we understand that revelation? Do we get that revelation? Do we actually get what we have freely received so that we are propelled to freely give from a healthy heart? Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So I'm just saying this, this is what God put in my heart, and, and perhaps it, it was just for me, but I, I, I don't think it was. For some of us, are we doing and not guiding our hearts? Are we doing God's stuff, but not necessarily spending the time to guide our hearts? So why do all of this? Why invest in all of this? Why have these conversations? Well, Ephesians 4.12 tells us, Paul tells us, he gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we, are, we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. It says, until we all attain, not some, to the unity of faith, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I think it's really important that we understand this is for all of us, not leaders, not elders, not pastors, not whatever other title you want to give. This is for all of us. We were at a, at a, at a conference on Wednesday, and, and I love the way uh, the speaker put it. And really, at the end of the day, we are mandated to grow up. Then to grow others up. In today's church, we simply have too many who just won't grow up. For the kingdom to advance, we need its soldiers grown up and trained up. If you send children into battle, it's not going to bode well. So perhaps that's why the church is declining in the Western world. I just think we just not need to point the malicious finger, but we need to look at ourselves as the bride and we need to invest in this heart journey because it's pivotal to maturity. So enough said. I, um, I'll, I will just uh, take some time to introduce the team um, and maybe explain a little bit of why, why um, Nell and I um, felt to invite these guys into this space. Um, so first, Brad Joss from Paradox Church. Um, Brad is... <laughs> uh, just Brad... 
for me, you know, I'm just getting, I've been getting to know him last year and a bit, and 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 um, I think what I'm I'm so enamored by is seeing Christian leadership. The Bible actually tells you to set an example. It doesn't tell you to influence. It tells you to set an example. And what I see in Brad's life is he sets an example of Christ. He shines Christ. And, and I see the fruit of that in the community that he passes and shepherds. And, and it's undeniable. You can watch it and you go, well, I... I, you know, I may not always understand, but I can see it. I can see the fruit, and and so I, I would I would encourage you to to lean into what he has to say because this man lives what he preaches. Um, then we have Jody Rempel, a longtime friend. We've known each other for many, many, many years. Our kids have all grown up, and um, I I really felt uh, just prompted to invite Jody. Jody and I have had many a discussion. And we love to wrestle. And we don't always agree. What I love that she's happy to go there and she's happy to just dig and and just just wants to see more of Christ, wants to see more of his presence, feel more of his presence and just to grow in him. And so the other thing with Jody too is she has a lot of um, experience in mental health. She works in mental health. And I just thought it was important as we sort of discuss all of this that, um, you know, it's something that people are, are – are, struggling with in, in this day and age and so it'd be nice to be able to weave that in and then mr greg lake who i've only just really got to know the last six 12 months you know this i love this man he's uh, i think i've got a man crush on him um he's just he's just he's just full of wisdom i love the way he preaches but you know greg feeds the poor he clothes the naked he looks after the orphan and uh I was saying to them before, maybe I'm a slow learner, but apparently that's not an option for all of us as followers of Christ. Um, it's not just meant to be a theory. You're meant to do it. And this man does it. And he lives, he lives that life and he bleeds for the broken as Jesus does. And the other thing I love about him is he, he comes from a, quite a conservative background. And so um, I love hearing his story moving from that into uh, probably what? more expressive free type of uh, uh, expression so um so please welcome these guys and so kind of our our, our kind of our um, i don't know objective of the night is simply this we're just going to start a conversation brad's got some stuff prepared we haven't actually sat and discussed any of all of this and we're going to let holy spirit do what he needs to do speak to our hearts um but we'll stop and well we you know we'll stop and we want you guys to get involved we want you guys to ask and contribute um feel free to interject i think brad loves being interjected um if you've got something that we say that you go wait a minute where's that in the bible or how does that relate please just feel free this is not a we are preaching at you or teaching you this is a conversation so feel free to do that and I will pass to Brad Joss. Thank you. <clears throat> well, I also just want to honor you, Kajan and Janelle, for uh, your hearts, <clears throat> um, you know, to, to pursue, to create a space for conversation. Uh, and always blessed whenever we come to the worship nights, but just seeing all of the different streams of the body of Christ uh, coming together uh, to worship. 
Jesus is is a wonderful thing, but uh, but to be so obedient to cost your souls uh, in in so many ways, financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, all of those ways to, to create a space is is really beautiful, uh, and, it, and it reflects the heart of God uh, for His bride. And um, yeah, and then just to encourage you, as as Kajan said, really we're we're here because we want to bless you. We want to support you, encourage you, and even as we've seen all of those different streams coming together at the worship nights, in the washing out, sometimes we can have an experience of God, we can have an encounter with God, but we don't necessarily know how to steward that. And and the beautiful thing of of once Jesus left and he sent his spirit was that we become those temples of the Holy Spirit, little mobile temples wandering around. But oftentimes as Christians, we're not taught how to steward the presence of God within us to, to understand that. Well, I don't, I mean, hopefully the time will come. We don't, you don't need to come to still or to, to have an experience with the Holy Spirit because you can have it in your bedroom or in the, in the car or in the, you know, wherever you go and other people get to experience God through you. Um, but kind of part of in that conversation around the conversations is to say, well, how do we, how can we help you to, to steward the presence of God, to, to do that journey to, and to the, the fire that people might catch in these worship environments how to take that and actually then to start fires you know um i know uh, i know at least for the three of us in our conversations we all have a real heart for the bride of christ uh, and as much as we're involved in churches or, or in leading in that space our heart isn't just for our own communities it's for the body of christ to to come into the fullness of of who she is designed by God to be, uh, and that's every church, every Christian, every church, uh, really to, to come to that place of thriving. And so uh, when it comes to us sharing, you might not be used to asking questions. Uh, you might be afraid of asking questions. Uh, you might be thinking, well, I, I can't, um, you know, perhaps a pastor or he's a teacher, like, I can't disagree or what. It's like, no, you absolutely can. Uh, we encourage disagreement. Uh, you know, no, I mean, you can agree too. You're welcome to do that. But uh but we're not afraid, like our, our heart's desire is truth. And I think for all of us, hopefully we're here not to represent a theological perspective or a uh, denominational perspective. Uh, we're here to pursue the truth of Jesus. Uh, and, and it's found in the scriptures, but even in that, it requires a wrestling to come to that place of, you know, we're after Jesus, we're after his truth, uh, and his truth transforms, his truth uh brings life and so that's what we're kind of pursuing on this journey so so please and at any time i could be halfway through a sentence to stick your hand up i've got three young children so i'm used to being interrupted mid-sentence and uh and being asked random questions that they don't even relate sometimes to what i'm saying but uh that's okay um but we'd love to do that and we so we are we're recording uh, video and audio from tonight uh, just so obviously anyone who couldn't be here we can share that around uh, if you ask a question and you don't want it to be on the video, um, you know, maybe because you're talking about a friend uh, or something like that, you know, uh, whatever for whatever reason, um, just let us know afterwards and we can kind of cut that little little section out for you. We don't want to have anything that would stop you from sharing. But we'll also probably hand a mic to you just so it's uh, on the recording in that way. Is that cool? Awesome. So we are, uh, the kind of topic of, of these conversations is creating a healthy space for Holy Spirit to dwell. And uh, in some conversations I've had with Kajan, we 
we were discussing this idea of like a garden, this metaphor of a garden kind of representing our hearts. And, uh, and there's lots of that kind of agricultural talk in the Bible where it speaks of, you know, uh, trees and fruit and roots and all of that sort of stuff. And so to, to kind of to have a, a, a picture that we can work with, I think sometimes is helpful. Uh, that we can understand, okay, so our heart, if our heart is like a garden uh, and the Holy Spirit dwells in that space, then there are things that we need to be doing to, to cultivate a healthy space for Holy Spirit to grow and a healthy space for, for fruit to, to kind of come out of our lives because that's what God desires. And uh, obviously the parable of the sower in, uh, in Matthew 13, uh, I love just to jump, obviously he, he starts off kind of explaining it, uh, you know, sharing the parable, but then he jumps into uh, verse 18 and actually explains it, which is wonderful that he explained it for us. Otherwise, we'd, we might be stuck on this one. Uh, but Jesus says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So we understand seeds from God are sown into people's hearts. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for the, what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. My iPad's turned off. There we go. So these seeds of the kingdom that Jesus talks about, and I know I shared uh, at the last worship night, I've, I've always understood it from an evangelistic perspective, the scripture. Um, but in reading it, it's like, well, I know it, it applies to us as believers. And I think Jesus continues to speak the words of the kingdom to us. Every time that we read the scripture, every time we hear the gospel proclaimed, it's the good news of the kingdom of God. And I think it's something that we should have that perspective that we're constantly learning and discovering more of who Jesus is, more of his intentionality, more of his purposes, more of his desire for us, more of our identity in him. And so God is continuing to speak the words of the kingdom. We don't get full 100% download when we become a Christian. Uh, it's something that we are being developed and we must remain childlike in order to receive the kingdom, to walk in the kingdom, to experience the kingdom of God. So we know these seeds of the kingdom are not just the scripture, it's the words that God speaks to us. It's every time God speaks, and that can come through a person sharing a prophetic word, could come through a worship song, a scripture, whatever it is. It's really God sharing his perspectives of, of who we are and who he is, and they're scattered over the soils of people's heart. And we read in that last little bit of Matthew 13, in, when Jesus explains it, that the point of Jesus sowing seeds is to produce fruit. So it's not just to, oh, so that someone gets saved. Oh, cool, I understand enough that I can come forward at an altar call and, and pray the sinner's prayer and cool, I'm done. It's like, no, 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 it's that you would receive those seeds, you would cultivate a healthy space that they would grow up into this beautiful tree that then would produce fruit. And obviously fruit is not just for our own good, but it's also for the good of others. And then contained with every piece of fruit is more seeds. 
So I think that full picture for us is that we would not just receive the seeds and like, oh, cool, I've, I've got them and I've managed to hold on to them. It's like, no, that they'd be planted in the ground, they'd be, they'd be producing something and not just producing something for our own benefit, which we do. We get to enjoy more of God when he is growing in us. And that's a blessing to us. Um, but it's, uh, uh, there's a line that John Piper used to say, he was a preacher in the U.S., but he said it's uh, for God's glory, for our joy, and, the, and for the benefit of others. Uh, so every time it's like when those seeds are sown, it's for God's glory, it's for our joy, and it's for the benefit of others. And God is always doing that in his life. He's always being glorified, being glorified through us. We're experiencing the joy of his presence, but also others should be benefiting from our lives. So we know then out of this parable, the condition of the soil determines the fruitfulness of that seed. Fruit's going to be produced either way. <laughs> it'll be bad fruit or it'll be good fruit. And obviously we want there to be good fruit. God's responsibility is the seed and our responsibility is the soil. So we have a part to play in this. It's not happenstance that soil becomes a particular way. I'm not fully into gardening. My wife is getting right into it and uh, in our backyard and vegetables and trees and all that sort of stuff. But what you learn is that there's things that you need to intentionally do to create fertility in the soil and you can take really bad soil and you can make it into good soil you need to remove certain things and you need to add certain things in but really as that's the only thing that my wife gets to participate in in that tree planting fruit producing environment uh, every other part is is actually out of your control but what you can control is how healthy is this is the food source that exists within that so God's desire is that good fruit would be the natural outcome of our lives, that we'd be producing good fruit, the natural overflow of our hearts. And again, not out of striving, not out of, you know, tough, I'm going to try really hard to produce good fruit, but actually just as I live, as I take my responsibility for creating a healthy place within me, dealing with what needs to be dealt with, the natural overflow of that is that good fruit starts to be produced from your life. You know, we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Well, the fruit of the Holy Spirit comes as an overflow of your heart. <laughs> Otherwise, it's fake and it's false. And so, well, I can try really hard to be kind, grit my teeth and smile, you know, and I can try and be joyful, but you really can't produce joy. And, well, I guess I'll be faithful because I have to stick around even though I don't want to. Like all of that fruit of the Spirit, it's fruit which naturally grows out of a healthy space, out of a healthy heart. I think, and this might just be for me, I didn't grow up in the church, but became a Christian when I was around 16. But I felt like the message that was shared predominantly with me around fruitfulness was do all that you can to not produce bad fruit or to get rid of all of the bad fruit. So stop doing bad things. And uh, I understand as a pastor, uh, it makes it a lot easier when people aren't doing bad things. Um, like the less people sin, the easier my job seems to be. Um, apparently, I haven't got to that place yet, but I'm just I'm believing for it. Um, but but that is the reality. So we're, we're trying to get away, and it's all you know, the gospels about. Man, G Jesus was gonna, God was gonna smash you and destroy you, but Jesus died for you. So like, I dodged a bullet there. Now I just got to stay, not get into God's bad books for the rest of my life, and then I'll go to heaven. The, the issue with that kind of approach, and that might be an extreme approach or there might be a little hint of it in our hearts, 
but the issue is we can get caught in the trap of thinking that the whole point of our lives is to not produce bad fruit, which brings us to the point of barrenness. It's like I'm, I'm investing all of my time and energy so that I can be a barren tree with no bad fruit. It's kind of a bit of a trap that we can fall into because that's not God's desire. His desire is, is to produce good fruit. We go past the point of barrenness into producing goodness and greatness coming out of our lives. So God's des- desire is not barrenness. I mean, there's even a, a, the parable of the barren fig tree in Luke 13. You know, and he looks and he's like, well, you're not, it's not producing anything. So that's, it becomes then kind of a little bit useless. God really does want you to produce good fruit. He wants good things to come out of your life. And we're not, he hasn't saved you so that one day you can go to heaven. He saved you so that today you can bring the reality of heaven to earth. And that's how it comes. It comes just through producing good fruit. But we can't bypass the process of doing that. Otherwise, it becomes false. It becomes a meme. It becomes a, you know, this kind of made-up fake expression rather than an authentic overflow, which you can't deny. So. Can I just kind of interject there? With, just as we're talking about good fruit and bad fruit, it'd be great to be able to um, kind of dig into that because I think as Christians, the default is that all bad fruit is the stuff that I do that is not good. You know, I'm taking drugs or sleeping around and doing whatever else. And all good fruit is some sort of doing something for God. Um, and that's not always the case, right? Because we can be doing good things and could be bad fruit, depending on where it's coming from and motivation behind it. So can we just kind of spend some time? I don't know, Greg, if you've got any thoughts on that. Um, as far as just yeah, extrapolating on 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 discerning between good fruit and bad fruit within the context, particularly I think here because everyone is probably you know everyone here is probably a follower of Christ and you know, a church goer, so it'd be it'd be interesting to just kind of pull apart f- for a little while what that actually looks like. Um, I think from the context of say being involved with the crew in Rockingham, we feed about five hundred people a week. Uh, on the street, homeless and struggling uh, families and singles. Uh, it's interesting seeing the different motives of those that come in to serve. Uh, so the majority of them are non-Christians and they're coming in to find value for themselves. So they're lacking value in who they are and they're feeling like by serving that they're going to get that value. You have the same from Christians. Christians comes in. Christians come in for two different perspectives. So they come in because... They're trying to get value from what they're doing, but that's that's not the right heart. Um, you can there's nothing wrong. It's noble. It's a good thing, um, but the better way is when you have a healthiness inside of you, and you're coming from the overflow of that to saying, actually, I'm healthy. I have value. I'm loved, and the good fruit is actually I get to come and bless those. I get to come and serve those. I get to come and be an influence of those of those around me, and so there's a big difference between uh, the posture of my heart and my motives. And I think, like you're saying, Kaj, um, it's it's not about we think of that bad fruit as the the addict and sleeping around and stuff, but the f- bad fruit is just found in our normal lives. It's like found in our emotives or in 
the way I respond to my wife uh, in a conversation or things like that of the agitation of my child. That's where the majority of the bad fruit is. But I think in, uh, I know from my experience being Christian for 35, 40 years or so, that that becomes so accepted that that's a normal part of life, but it's not. It's The reality is it's all bad fruit in my life. And so from my experience over the last couple of years coming to Paradox and being part of the heart journey, it's like you actually get to call stuff out for what it is and you're in a safe community where it's not, if Brad, Brad's got permission to call stuff out in my life, he's not defining me as that. He's just recognizing the bad fruit which was not ever meant to be there. And so then you get to go on a journey with Jesus of actually these things don't align because if there's anything in my life that doesn't align with Jesus, it's something he wants to take us on a journey with to see healing and wholeness through. And so I think that's, that's the thing. It's like it's don't think of all these super bad things. Think of anything in your life that doesn't align with Jesus or any agitation or any dysfunction and that's the things he wants to work through. Yeah, I would have to say I'm, I'm so passionate about this journey of the heart and it was um, especially working in mental health. So I predominantly work with children and adolescents. That's um, the area in which I work and um, and over the, it's been over 20 years but over like this last probably oh, three or four yeah, years it's been absolutely crazy the amount of um, mental health increase with our young people. It's it's. It's insane. Um, but this, so this heart journey, so working in mental health and then I had the amazing privilege of doing some courses through my church and really learning about this heart issue. And God downloaded this picture, which I think just is exactly actually, Brad, what you were saying of, and it's talking about fruit. And it was, um, I was counselling this young girl and she was having panic attacks and it was she was dealing with just a lot of terrible I guess you would say fruit <laughs> in a sense in her life. And as she began talking about, you know, her past and her history and different things that had been happening in her life, um, you know, I was listening and, and this was initially my really early on in kind of the spiritual journey. I was still very mental health orientated and I was talking to her and I'm listening to her explain what she'd experienced and thinking, oh my goodness, like, you know, the trauma and all these different things and it's really valid and, you know, all these, you know, these behaviours that she's having, it's understandable. Kind of this, you know, this acceptance and going, you know, because it was terrible. And then God, literally, it was a matrix download moment. You know, those millisecond kind of things where you're having a conversation and then this is being downloaded. And it was a picture of a heart, of her heart, and it had like these black spots and these black sort of you know it was like a black sort of tree and if you could envision like this um yeah this black tree and it had all these like branches coming out just black branches and then on these branches were things like panic attacks and depression and anger management like anger and all of these different things that were being fueled by um this acceptance of almost that she had a lot of unforgiveness, a lot of things that she was wrestling with in her life. And normally I would have sat there and gone, you know, well, that's, that's understandable. Like these things in her heart, that's understandable. But God began to show me in me accepting and coming alongside and so-called understanding um, this fruit that had developed in her life. And that, you know, it was 
was terrible. And what we can do then is begin behaviour management programs for fruit, which is a lot of what mental health does. So it comes alongside and it's like, cool, you deal with anger or you deal with panic attacks. So let's put you on a behaviour management plan to manage the behaviours and God began to say, I'm not a behaviour management God. I don't sit here and want to create behaviour management programs for you all. I actually want to get in and deal with those root issues, with those really deep heart issues that, um, that they're experiencing. And, you know, words like forgiveness and repentance and all of these amazing things that the Bible speaks about are what will actually set a person's heart free and change the fruit. Sorry if I've jumped ahead. <laughs> I was just having this picture. Um, but, yeah, like I, I'm so passionate. Like, yeah, it's, it is. We can so often, and like you're saying, focus on the negative, you know, the negative fruit and the behaviours, but they're all just symptoms. All our behaviours, all our things are symptoms of what is truly happening in our belief system, in our heart, about ourselves and about God. Ultimately, it boils down to those two things, what we believe about ourself and an atheist even, what, what they believe about God. It's actually every single person on the planet, their belief about God and their belief about themselves. And that's what it will boil down to. And then we, so I think this is awesome that we're dealing with the heart instead of behaviour management programs and trying to deal with symptoms of this heart journey. Sense. <laughs> That's great. I think bouncing off that, like you were talking about this morning, Brad, maybe jump into that of just the patterns in Christian circles of I uh, just dismiss that or it's just a lie from the enemy rather than del delving deeper. Yeah. I think when we look at, at the heart and we acknowledge um, within our heart we believe things and we believe lives and we believe truths, uh, if you take a lie and you believe it to be true, it is a truth to you. Uh, so it's really hard then even in ourselves sometimes to discern what's true and what's a lie. Um, but if I believe it in my heart and yet I'm not connected to that place, I'm, I'm, I'm aware enough that when I read something in the scriptures and it says, this is the truth, then I say, yes, that is the truth. And I tell myself, I believe that to be true. When the reality is I, I know in my head that's true because God says it's true and or even it makes sense. But if my heart is saying that's not true um, because I've got a belief in there that that's not true and for could be a multitude of reasons why that's the case, then what ends up happening is we get stuck in this pattern of like, well, I know I'm thinking that and yet it's not coming out in my behavior. The opposite's coming out. So I say, well, trust in the Lord, you know, lean on your own understanding. Okay, yes, cool, I trust God. And yet I'm finding myself in all of these situations where I, I don't trust God and I'm trusting in myself and I'm leaning on my own understanding and I'm doing the opposite of that. Um, but oftentimes it's because we're actually ignoring the fact that in my heart I don't believe that. I believe the opposite and I get stuck in that place. And then sometimes we'll say, oh, that must be the devil trying to tempt me. I have this thought, no, I don't trust God. <gasps> That's the lie of the enemy, and I rebuke that lie. And, and, and yeah, it's not a lie of the enemy. It's the truth of your heart. It is a lie, but it's a lie that you've come to believe, and so then it's become true to you. Um, so again, really important. We don't just look at, I mean, the Apostle Paul speaks so much on mind renewal, incredibly important. Um, but if it's not partnered with heart uh, transformation, 
when we talk about you know, the difference between behavior modification and heart transformation. Uh, heart transformation leads to behavior change and transformation. And uh, there's a scripture in 1 Samuel that says, you know, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. And I think in the fruit, um, you know, good fruit and bad fruit, like bad fruit can look good on the outside. Man, the number of times, you know, the season changes and you go into the shopping center, there's nectarines or peaches. You're like, oh, it looks so delicious. And I mean, fruit growers, not all of them, I'm sure, but they, they intentionally produce fruit that looks good. That's the point of it. Like you buy fruit because it looks good. They don't, I've discovered they don't like you just maybe taking bites out of apples and putting them back again, you know, if only we could. But but it, it looks good. It's tempting to the eye. And so we want, okay, yeah, cool. I'll grab that. You get it home and it's gross on the inside. The apple's all, you know, flowery and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And it's obviously disappointing. But I think of how much in our Christian walk and in Christian culture it can be how good does the fruit look? And yet I'm thinking, yeah, it's good fruit because it looks good on the outside. If someone was to take a bite of my life, it might not taste that great. But as long as it looks good on the outside, that's kind of what we're working for. It creates this culture of performance. It creates a culture of hiding. And the longer we do it, the more we want to hide away. We know the thoughts that go on on the inside. We know kind of sometimes our motivation or sometimes we don't. God absolutely knows everything of every thought and every motivation. And he's not afraid of our hearts. God's not scared of you. God's not scared of what is going on in the inside. He sees it all. He knows it all. And his desire and his delight is to actually enter into that space with you and bring healing and wholeness and restoration to uproot those unhealthy places. That's that scripture. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure not because he's disgusted with you and he can't stand you and he's like, this is the last time I'm going to... It's like, no, no, it's my, it's my delight to enter into that space and do, do that journey. But we need to become comfortable to actually be able to look at our own hearts and that takes the coaching as well from others and have a safe space where I can go, you know, my heart's kind of gross. I'm doing all of these good things and yet the motivation is because I want people to like me or I don't want God to reject me or I... Etc. 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 And 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 so we get this expression, this kind of hypocritical expression of the body of Christ on the earth, and it is, as that scripture says, you know, a form of godliness but lacking power, because the power is the power of God, and yet if the fruit's not being produced by Holy Spirit, then the world is tasting the fruit that the church is putting out there, and they're taking a bite and they're going, "This is is rank. Like it all looks nice on the outside, but it's lacking." health on the inside. So. There was something you said um, a few weeks ago when I heard you speak, because um, it's, it's, it can also be easy to get hung up on good food, bad fruit. Am, am, I, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? Um, what about this is, is not right? And, and you said this um, phrase where you said, you know, it's, the reality is as we are as followers of Christ, we are to stand here to look at ourselves, be comfortable with our brokenness and understand that we are being sanctified. But then to look at Christ and go, Lord, you are perfect. This is who you are. And I want to become like you. So to die to self and to conform to his likeness. I'd love for you to extrapolate on that because I think one of the things that can happen 
when you know when starting to focus on fruit is you don't want it to become condemning. When it's condemning, it's not of God. But when it's convicting, then it is of God. But the objective is what? To die to self and to conform to his likeness. So would you, would you mind just maybe um, extrapolating on that? I, I, even when it comes to the heart journey and doing that investigation, it's it's dangerous to become overly introspective uh, and to become kind of fruit hunters and, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I like to say, yeah, if you if you look inside and you keep that as your, like you're just always going to find bad stuff. Um, but like you would with a tree, you look for the fruit and then you recognize from the fruit what's going on in the root system. So you'll often like, you'll look at, oh, the, the leaves on the tree are gone yellow, turned yellow, and it's not the season to do that, or they're curling over. There's something about what's coming out that means we need to do some investigation as to what's happening in the soil. Um, and so I think the, it's an important that we approach it in the way of not becoming introspective, hunting all this sort of stuff down, but trusting that God it's God's on that journey to do that. And it is, as I said, it's his delight to do so. So he's not, you are, once you're saved, once you've been justified by Jesus, the finished work of the cross is absolutely finished. And you don't need to do anything to more to go to heaven one day. Because your, your ticket to heaven was paid for by Jesus. You know, your name's in the book of life. That's all good. So we can just, actually, we can just let, leave that aside now like that's an elementary principle of 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 our journey with jesus is recognizing what he has done for me from that point everything on is now recognizing what does he desire for me that i would do for him not to earn a reward not to pay him back not to do anything like that but to say you have done everything for me jesus i want to give my whole life for you and and so show me lord how to do that Oh, but I've got this sin in my heart, and like, yeah, which he's paid the price for, and and his desire is to set you free from that. To ignore it is to is is to then leave that thing kind of existing there. Um, but again, it's it's if the price has been paid for, then all my the rest of my life is a pursuit towards him and more of him. And the more that I become like Christ, the more I get to experience him. Um, and so, yeah, I think even in that, sometimes it's like we, we focus so much on the before cross and how bad I am and the gospel that gets proclaimed is primarily around, you know, you deserve hell, but God, instead of crushing you and pouring out his wrath upon you, he's, he's decided to save you. And so, you, like, I mean, you've just scraped through barely by the skin of your teeth and now don't stuff up too bad. Even though, well, you know, once saved, always saved. But is it really? Maybe it's not. And I've just got to be good enough to hold on to my salvation. And it's to me, it's such a, a diminishing and crushing perspective to have for our Christian life. Where it's like, okay, you've done it all, Jesus. Now what What can I get to do with you? And and to, to, to look inside myself and to see those gross places and just name and go, wow, that's really disgusting. Uh, but it's not me, Jesus. I love this a, a phrase by a guy called Chris Vallotton. He says, if, uh, if we identify ourselves as sinners, then we will sin as an act of faith. 
If we believe we're sinners, we'll sin as an act of faith. And and I know that there's, yeah, I'm, I don't want to get into, deeply into the theological nuances there because some people will say, you know, Paul says I'm the greatest of all sinners and that sort of thing. But if Christ has made you righteous, um, then you need to understand that is the core of my identity is I've been made right before God. So I'm righteous. I'm called to be holy as he is holy. Um, but if I get stuck on this belief, I, I'm, I am sinning, therefore my identity is sinner, well, then you'll sin because you believe that about yourself. Uh, I just think it's a powerful little kind of uh, framework to work on. But it's like, no, I, I am. I have been made righteous in Christ. The, the theological concept is imputed righteousness. He has taken my sinfulness and has given me his righteousness so that everything that exists within me that is not righteous does not belong to me anymore. And is a, it's a weed to be uprooted. It's a root system to be cut off. It's 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 me and Jesus now going into the garden of my heart together and saying, "Hey, that doesn't belong. Let's rip it out, Jesus." And well, that's yeah, that's going to grow into something really bad. Rip it out, Jesus. Hey, there's some unf- there's a seed of unforgiveness there. Let's go dig it out, Holy Spirit. Like it's all this joyful partnership, and then seeing us like, wow, I used to have this bad fruit of bitterness growing in my life all the time or criticism and but we went and we uprooted the the roots of that plant and now I'm not critical and bitter anymore and to recognize the journey is and and that's really the prayer ministry kind of journey is getting to go why is that root system of bitterness there why is it producing and and that could be oftentimes it's childhood trauma it's belief systems that were formed in those early formative years and so we can't just go you know I'll just not think that way and so many times we get caught up going, I used to believe this, now I believe this. and But I've learned what is opposite, but I still believe the old lie. So I actually need to get into that space, repent, renounce, you know, uh, be set free. And the Holy Spirit does that. But, uh, but for, for me, the journey of the last several years and in our church community is really looking at sin very differently. Um, it's still horrific because of the outcomes that it produces and it hurts yourself it hurts people it impacts our relationship with God Um, but I'm not afraid to look at those things anymore because I understand it doesn't belong to me so I'm not going to hold on to it like it's part of who I am it doesn't belong in in the garden of my heart and uh, and Jesus is coming to tend that garden with me and it's a partnership with God so yeah can I just add to that the because sometimes in our language I don't know if you've heard it in church and you know, I sometimes, yeah, in the past was guilty of it. You can look at people and look at yourself and you use the language of good Christian, bad Christian, <laughs> like, oh, they're such a bad Christian or they're, you know, oh, that's such a good Christian. Look how, you know, and I remember God really challenging me um, a number of years ago going, there is no such thing as a good Christian or a bad Christian absolutely no such thing because it is my righteousness that covers my children it actually there so we can't go around you know we kind of just think and I you know I used to have this image of God with this checklist going you know read my bible pray forgive and that this was my checklist of being a good Christian you know I if I you know if I pray and if I read my bible and I forgive and I'm kind and I do all these things and I'm checking you know he's there marking me and God's like 
I'm not marking you. <laughs> this is not this is not like and then at the end of it I can qualify you as a good Christian. There's just no such language in the kingdom of God because we are defined by his righteousness and it is completely on him. Like he has he has done everything. And I was reading that in Ephesians actually just this morning when it was talking in that passage and it was it was it's just such a liberating thought to have that he really has done all the heavy, heavy, heavy lifting. And now we're on a journey of maturity. So that's very different. Still looking at the fruit, looking at all these different, you know, these things, this heart journey to mature in our faith and to become more like Christ. But that's a very different outlook to this, you're a bad Christian or a good Christian or a failing Christian or a successful Christian, which is not the language of the kingdom at all. And I think anything good that we do is the is the fruit of the grace of God at work in our lives. So I, I remember heard it say that it's almost like if you think you can pay God back, the reality is anything that you do for God that is good fruit is by his grace. So actually you become more and more indebted to God the more that you journey, uh, you know, it, throughout the rest of your life. And so it's it's recognizing you're going to produce good fruit in me. I have a, there has to be a partnership and God, because God doesn't violate our will. And it would be nice if he just came and uprooted all of those things. But the fact is I made a choice at some time to plant a seed of bitterness, to plant a seed of unforgiveness, to plant a seed like it was my sin that that created those the fruit that I'm now producing. That's the sowing and the reaping. Um, and so I get to come in with Holy Spirit to take responsibility. And he forgives and he restores and he uproots and he you know takes the axe and, and cuts things down. Um, so it's all very much that partnership. It's not, uh, I love that, you know, Galatians 3. I don't love it because it's confronting, but it's a good word to be reminded, you know, uh, where... Uh, the Apostle Paul says, um, who has bewitched you? You fool, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Uh, you started by the Holy Spirit. Now you're trying to be perfected in the flesh. That's what we're talking about here. You know, we can't, we, we it's like, yes, it's all Jesus did it all. Now I'm saved. Right now I've got to go and do all of this hard work and strive out. It's like, no, you can't be perfected in, in the flesh because it's still his power. It's still his authority, but it's absolutely in partnership with him. So then how do you, so coming back to cultivating soil, because he's done it all on the cross, but we have a part to play. So how would you, Greg, then um, navigate what what Brad is saying in, in as far as, you know, um, you tried, you started with the Holy Spirit, you're doing it in the flesh. So how do we, how do we partner up with God? Because we do, you know, the, the maturing part of our Christianity is, we taking responsibility for cultivating that soil. Um, how can you just maybe extrapolate on that and explain that from the perspective of what's the difference between um, doing it in our strength, playing the and playing the part, the responsible part to cultivate soil with Holy Spirit? How would you see that? I think it's easy for just as Jody was saying, we talk about good Christians and bad Christians that. Ultimately, we're looking at people doing stuff often in their own strength. And so they're trying to look a part or be a part of what a good Christian looks like, which is often, often as I've discovered over the last couple of years and even looking at my own journey, often you, you're doing it out of the wrong heart motive and you're doing it out of the wrong motives and the performance orientation and stuff. So you end up doing these good things for God that, that 
he didn't even call us to or want us to. And so I think it it starts with a conversation. I think for me, a lot of that journey is only happening in community mm. of having people you trust because often you can't see your mess and you can't see the areas of your life that don't align with Jesus. So there's all of us have areas of our life that don't align with Jesus. And so that's often the easiest thing to see is the bad fruit. And often that's found by having people that you trust calling that out in us or seeing there's area of my life where there's tension or turmoil or dysfunction. And often we know the mess in our life and we think we can just go hard and I'm going to do better and I'm going to believe more and just work, work, work. But the reality is it's never going to produce lasting change. So for me, what I've found, one, it starts with relationship with Jesus. Like none of this is going to happen. I can't fix it from performance. I can't fix it from community aside from being with Jesus. And so to me, it starts with intimacy with him and with the Holy Spirit. And as I cultivate that, the Holy Spirit reawakens my heart um, and the Holy Spirit is there to convict us. And so he convicts us of any area in our life that doesn't align with Jesus. And so he's here to prompt us. But often when when that conviction comes, then we go into that introspective. It's like, oh, I'm terrible, I'm a sinner. And and then we just fall back into that, um, but I'm saved by grace and I'm just going to stay in that place. But um, what I found from being in community is that having others journeying with you and um, feeling helping you to understand that that bad fruit is not who you are and it's something Jesus wants to work with you on. You need others in your life to do that with. Yeah. Um, I don't, one, we weren't designed to be isolated. Absolutely. We were always designed to be in community. That's Absolutely. how we were created. And so uh, it's relying on a community. Yeah. It's relying on trusted people that can do that journey with. Um, but there's, there's lots of tools and I'm sure we'll go into that at some point. Yeah. So there's tools that work people through. But to me, the core thing is it starts with it starts with Jesus and it starts with community right. and those two things together. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, just a comment of everything you're saying sounds really good and right. And just the recognition that you sometimes have overly reflective people who are already um, easy to be down on themselves. And so even they can get paralysed because the thought came to my head to go and write this person this encouraging note. But you know how Paul says that even when I try to do good, sin is right there with me. And I would say maybe this side of heaven, that's often our experience, that we we really are stepping out with God. And by the time we've written the card and put it in the mailbox, we've got to the neighbour's house with that cake that was started with good motivation. We're thinking, you know, oh, they'll be so happy or I did something so good. And then that introspective person says, oh my gosh, I just did that in the flesh or was I just trying to get glory for myself and then they're really down on themselves. And so, you know, when it's like 
we're looking for this bad fruit and it, it looks like all these evil things. But now we're looking for this bad fruit that looks like all these good things and I can sit in my bed and uh, just, I don't tend to do that myself, but I do know people that do. Um, and question, I was going to go to this meeting, but now I'm wondering if I'm going because my friends are going and that would be the wrong reason to go, so I should stay home. But then I do want to know more of God and so I should go. And you can actually get so tied up in trying to figure out if what you're doing is good or evil all the time. And then in the same breath, you guys are saying that we, we don't have to worry because we're not striving anymore. And so, <laughs> but it's easy to get then barren, right? Because I better not do anything because I've now second guessed myself a hundred times and even more so now that doing the right thing can actually be wrong, you know? So I don't know. It's it's not a question particularly. It's not a it's not anything. It's just I know that that happens for people, <laughs> and they they already struggle so much to know their own heart and overthink it. And it says that our heart is deceitful, and so you're almost scared of your own heart already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think there is a reality of transformation that brings us out of deceitfulness of the heart. It, I, I think it's it's probably debatable whether it's an old covenant um, perspective on the heart because uh, we've been given a new heart and that's God's desire that the law has written on our heart. Um, I think the introspectiveness thing, which is what I've said, I mean, and we've even found as because as a church, like we've done this heart journey thing and you notice that certain people are more susceptible to introspection. Um, but... Uh, yeah, a narcissistic person doesn't become more narcissistic because they're focusing on the heart. Like, they just were always introspective. They were always worried. They were always concerned. But if we get stuck in that place and we're like, oh, is maybe my heart's doing this, maybe my heart's doing this, it actually reveals I don't know my heart. Um, and so that's the blessing of the journey is we actually get to know our heart. We get to know that place. It's like it's not this shut away secret garden that I never venture into. It's like a place that I've become familiar with and like, yeah, we go there and oh, I know that thought and that feeling and 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 yuck, yeah, that's that feeling that Holy Spirit's revealed. That time we were walking in, in the garden, he said, hey, this thing here, that's 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 the bad route, but, but there's a beautiful route there as well. And so uh, I think the reality is everything that we do for God produces that we get to receive from that as well, even I think as we mature, sacrifice and cost all of a sudden becomes this joyful thing. Like, and not because it anything good came out of it. It's like it's not just I, I laid my life down and it was I've received all this joy. Now am I am I going to lay my life down so I can receive joy? It's like, well, no, because that the more you mature, that you realize that's that's a dumb way to get joy. Um, but you do it because it's it's that kind of overflow flowing out of you. So. Can I comment too on just on what you said? Because I actually went through a little season. This is a personal story where I was, um, you know, coming before God, and that you know that famous passage of Scripture, Psalm one hundred and thirty nine, was exposing me. God, anything you know, those that prayer that's really scary to pray, but it's amazingly freeing. But you know, and that exposure came, and I remember going, God, pride, like this, you know, pride just seems to taint every single aspect of life like yeah when you're doing something yeah what is my motive is it pure is it you know and I remember coming before God and going okay God I just want to get rid of pride I just want it all gone from my life just you know I just expose in me and do you know it was the it was just this amazing moment with God where I said God expose 
um, you know, where pride's operating and literally, I'm not going to lie, I had this moment where I just went and I felt this absolute weight and I felt like, oh, my gosh, this entire planet is so tainted with pride. Like every part of me I felt like and God said, that is my grace carrying you that I am going to take you on a journey that of, and that's the power of conviction, is that each time that I want you to surrender more of, you know, more of your heart is being obedient to where I go in your heart. It's obedient to when I convict you of motives, whereas sometimes and it sounds like, you know, um, with your friend, condemnation, when that begins to operate, when that becomes really heavy and that always is that, um, pulling us away from the cross and pulling us away from, you know, just focusing on Jesus. And I remember sitting in that moment going, God, I just desperately need to walk in your grace. I realize that on this side of eternity, I am not going to be completely selfless, completely free of pride, completely sin free. That is why I am so dependent on your grace. But I thank you that you are exposing and changing me according to your timeline and according to you know your actions and so thank you God because I suddenly went no if he was to suddenly expose every single part of my heart that needed you know dealing with in one moment I think I would just be crushed on the floor like it's his grace that he reveals it in the timing and so I think that's just a beautiful gift of each time those feelings and thoughts come up it's like God I'm going to run to you and you show me what needs to be dealt with but I'm going to just going to continue walking and my motives aren't always going to be perfect. They're not always going to be pure. But, hey, I am just going to do my best in, you know, in, in seeking you and allowing your spirit to do what needs to be done in me, if that makes sense. But, yeah, that was it's, just my It's job. great. And to understand the Holy Spirit is the fruit inspector. Um, so you let him do that thing and not, it's not the internal questioning. It's the exit. Like, okay, Holy Spirit, you'll convict me. You'll make it clear to me. You'll, you'll, so I'm just going to do what I think is right. And if my motivation is wrong, you'll make it clear. And, and yeah. if it's right, it's, it's all and good. He, he, and another thing, like God is never, like the fruit, again, the fruit of even the Holy Spirit convicting isn't going to be stressful. It's not going to be heavy. It's not going to be this really burdensome kind of, oh, my gosh, angsty feeling. Because when he comes and convicts, he provides a way of coming to the cross to be set free and to let it go. So when it's, um, you know, the question is, if I'm going to the cross, I'm going, God, my motives aren't perfect. And I know that. I know I'm not perfect. Um, and the heaviness is still there and the angst is still there and the stress and all this confusion, then you would begin to question, like, you know, is that is that the Holy Spirit or am I coming under a spirit of condemnation? which is very different and that's burdensome and that's heavy and that's angsty and that's very confusing as well. And so um, I think that's something to be aware of in that journey. Probably don't know how to put this across properly. Um, I'd like to bring in trauma. You spoke about trauma before. Um, from, from my experience and uh, working with others, People go through trauma, and parts of them break off, but they don't understand that part's still in trauma. Um, so that has to be healed as well before you can actually produce good fruit. 
it's almost like someone taking a mirror. You're, you're born with one personality, um, and that's smashed on the floor. Those are all the different pieces. And the law wants to fix that as well, not just good fruits. He's got to fix your brokenness as well. So I've experienced that um, throughout my family, but also people in church. That personality has no idea that it's causing fear, it's causing anger, um, and the law can actually get behind that and pull that up. So a lot of people feeling fear and anger and things like that. It's that personality coming up and sitting there. So when we talk about the Lord working with fruit, he's got to fix that as well before he can do anything else. And do you know what I love about um, you know the father heart of God is that he is so holistic in his approach and he is not a Band-Aid God. And, you know, he doesn't just chuck Band-Aids on people's hearts and trauma. He actually is like, okay, let's go on the journey and we are going to get this out and we are going to bring holistic healing completely to the body. And that is, you know, such an amazing journey. And sometimes when, you know, you, you see these people come forward, who wants to be freed of fear? And they come forward and they're like waiting for the zap, you know, God, free me right now. And I... 100% spirit of fear go, <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about that, but fear that has come from trauma and has come from those things. And you realise, and so then God begins, he's He's not zapping. When I, um, my journey with dealing with um, anxiety and fear, and he said, and I was like, why can't I just take this all away? Just take it, like, you know, come on. And he's going, okay, do you want me to give you amnesia? Do you actually want me to wipe your memory? I'm like, okay, good point. He goes, I'm not going to wipe your memory of everything that has happened in your entire life, but I am going to meet you in every single part of those areas and I am going to bring the healing balm of the Holy Spirit that you are going to be set free and whole. I'm not a zapping God. Like I don't just chuck Band-Aids on things. And so that journey of holistic, is, it's phenomenal and our God is that journey. My journey was a lot longer than a zap. It was like a, a long time, but it was holistic. In at the end, you know, I give him all the praise and glory for that. I think again, just to be really clear, when we talk about producing good fruit, we're talking about as a natural overflow. There is nothing you can do to to produce good fruit. There's only things you can do is is to tend to the the soil in your heart, and so that's the thing of to say there is bad fruit coming out of my life and it's only a journey with the Holy Spirit that he will trace from the fruit down to the root and the root might be then trauma. It could be adult trauma, it could be childhood trauma, it could be the trauma of abuse, the trauma of neglect, the different types that we experience and to say, and that you go, okay, cool, there's, there's a reason why there's this bad fruit of anxiety in my life and probably for everyone, and it's going to be a different kind of way. That's why it's a Holy Spirit journey to do that. And but then, so that trauma can be something that's, you know, was was planted in in the soil of our heart as a child or as an adult, and now it's growing up to produce bad fruit. Um, but I think it's, and I think it's good to start with the understanding that God wants to take you beyond barrenness. Uh, he wants you to take you from surviving into thriving. Otherwise, what can happen is we we spend we even do the heart journey with God to just to get rid of the pain, 
and then we get to this point of like, okay, I'm pain-free now. It's like, but God has so much more. He wants you joy-filled. He wants you, you know, abundant life and experience. And uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's doing that kind of full path, but it's not, yeah. Um, so I, I loved even just looking at in the in the parable of the soul when he explains it, you know, he talks about the kingdom is sown on the path. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And, and, uh, and I think that's something to say where... For me, the pathway is like someone who's maybe even disconnected from their heart completely. So it's like I hear it, but it doesn't, I don't believe, it doesn't sink in, it doesn't land anywhere. It, doesn't, it can't take root because I actually don't understand it, is what it says. Um, that which is sown on the rocky ground is the one who hears it, receives it with joy, has no root in himself, endures for a while, and then it, then it kind of floats away. So I think, again, it's someone who maybe within that, the rocky ground of their heart, we can, we can, have a hard heart and that can again be from trauma it can be from neglect maybe our heart was never nurtured as a child we weren't given the right ingredients weren't put into the soil of our heart as a child so it just we had to harden our hearts in order to survive god has wired people has wired us with tools to help us to survive traumatic experiences so even things like, you know, where there's trauma, oftentimes people have amnesia from traumatic events. And it's almost like protective functions that put, um, if people are, you know, abused, they can be, they cannot have that memory. Almost like that memory gets shut down. It only might come up in, uh, in, in their adult life. And so there's those things kind of wired in, but God doesn't want us to stay in that place. So when we come to a place where actually the Lord wants to come in and, and heal, but if that's almost like a heart that's, that's hardened, so we need to do a journey to say, why is my heart hardened? Um, we, we, we journeyed with a, a sort of prophet from the US called Jennifer Evers, and uh, she shares her story in her latest book, which is why I'll share it with you. But um, when she came to minister at our church in Perth, and she just had this encounter with God. She was at the accommodation she was staying in, and uh, she had this encounter with God where the Holy Spirit came to her, woke up, and, and breathed life back into her heart. She was an international traveling itinerant minister, you know, great church in the U.S. with her husband, doing all of this amazing stuff, and she had no idea that her heart was shut down. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit started to unravel all of the traumatic kind of childhood experiences that she had gone through. But there are times where we actually just don't know that we're disconnected. We don't know that our heart is, is kind of locked down, and the Holy Spirit can awaken that. And obviously then there's the one where uh, sown among thorns is obviously then the deceitful of riches choke the word. Like it's the cares of the world. And, and there are some times where when we neglect our heart, it's like I can receive the word and it's good, but then I start to kind of, oh, I just trickle off and I just I can ignore my heart. I don't stop listening to that and, and move away and we get caught up in the things of the world. And so then that we, we stop producing good fruit because we start to actually neglect the garden. We let the weeds grow up. They start taking all the nutrients out. Other things that aren't fruit producing things like, the riches of the world and the cares of the world start to then kind of choke the garden because it's just full of all of these other things. So um, I think there's like at least some pathways there to, to look at for us as well. So. Greg, any thoughts on that? Um, I think just to add from the previous question is that if we don't, if we're always looking for fruit and our motives and it's like, is this a good thing or is it a God thing or is this bad fruit and stuff, if we don't come at it from the foundation of being accepted, that Jesus accepts us and deems us worthy, then we're always going to be questioning everything from the place of really earning love from the Father. And so if we come from the place of acceptance, 
and I know I'm loved, like I am deeply loved by the Father. And so then when I'm looking at my motives and things like that, I'm not trying to evaluate them based on what's going to please the Father, but allowing from the place of love for him to direct me in the way that he's choosing. And I think that that changes things. I, I, I love, I mean, even just hearing the affirming words that you shared at the start of, of your experience and journey with me. And, and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And I feel like I've done nothing to produce that fruit in my life apart from focus on the healthy soil of my heart. And so I've had heaps of prayer ministry, seen a counselor. Like I've done, just done that journey, being really open and vulnerable with people, which can be super painful and exposing. And and yet, you know, it's like, it's good. Like, oh, I don't like that you're saying that, but I know it's true. And so I know it's Jesus and I, and I want to do that. And you do that journey. And then, so I, I am a radically different person than I used to be, but I don't feel like I've strived. I haven't studied a whole lot of books. I've just been willing to to be yielded to the holy spirit and that that is painful at times because i think there's a scripture that says humble yourselves you know before the mighty hand of god and and uh, and i encourage people i think i've prayed god humble me twice and uh because the first time I didn't learn my lesson. Um, but I think there's a reason why God says humble yourselves, because when he does it, it's, it's much worse. Um, <laughs> like when we do it ourselves, it's like, cool, we can be gentle. When God does it, he's just like, all right, let's go. It's the prayer he always seems to answer. Um, but, uh, but, but it is like it can be exposing when we get stuck in pride and then it, it actually bubbles up and then we get exposed and, humility humiliation it's the same thing it is the pathway to exaltation but as jesus said but you know that's so we want to the more attention we give to pursuing a healthy heart space that healthy garden then the less we're also going to get caught out with this gigantic massive big tree of pride or dysfunction or bitterness that's growing up and all of a sudden we're having to chop, like it's a lot harder to chop down this tree. I saw her in like marketplaces a few weeks ago, it's a little side story, but as an illustration, this lady, she's like, um, free trees, you know, you dig them out. And so you look on the advert, they were literally like 15 meter tall gum trees. I'm like, you just want a free, like, yeah, arborist yeah, yeah, to come yeah, and, come on, <laughs> and come cut it down. No one's going to be able to replant that thing. So, anyway. so that's, sorry, no, go, go. The Lord uh, requires that partnership. And of course, it's always the Holy Spirit's work. But it, I think it's important to remember Romans 12, 1, be transformed by the ring of your mind, uh, have the mind of Christ. So these scriptures are there not because, you know, they're to tease us or taunt us. They're there because we can achieve these things. You know, the Lord wants us to pursue that. So the renewing of our mind is such a partnership with the garden of our hearts and the weeds being out of that place and I found in my life that you know the maturity comes when the heart is renewed uh, sorry the mind is renewed by the scriptures and the word you're in the word daily and it's renewing your mind because you're believing the lies or you're stuck because of trauma you know in those lies and the Lord's been able to pull you out because you've held on to truth who is a person Jesus Christ but in partnership with that you're tending to the garden of your heart and together in tandem, that's when maturity comes. But when you neglect the heart and you're just working on the head, then, then there's imbalance. And that's when I think those um, overthinking and obsession comes because, you know, we've all been there. And, um, and when we 
focus too much on the heart and, and we're not like focused on renewing of the mind, well, we can't tend to those weeds because the weeds often come from the thinking. So there has to be that head and heart together partnership of maturity. Amen. Amen. And I think really probably what we're highlighting and maybe God's highlighting in a season is that we've had generation, like we are the most educated generation that's ever existed. We have access to more information than that's ever existed. Uh, and at the same time, as there's a guy called Neil Cole, uh, he's an author and missiologist, and he says, the modern church is educated beyond its obedience, like radically so. We have so much understanding. We have access to all of this information podcast, and yet our act of following that is very, very small. So, because we haven't been trained, we haven't been discipled and that sort of thing. And oftentimes, or where we know all of the stuff and yet we don't believe it. So, you know, Romans says, um, you know, confess with your mouth, you know, but it's with your mouth that you confess, but it's with your heart that you believe. And it's the belief systems. I found belief systems override thought systems. I can think all of the right things if I believe the opposite in my heart. My heart will win eventually. I'll confess what I think and I'll pray and I'll do all of those things. And yet it, the overflow of my heart is what comes out of my mouth and, and then overrides my thought life. So I think it's absolutely 100% agree there has to be that partnership. But I think we're probably in our modern church, we've just the mind has been bombarded in a healthy way with all of the truths, and yet we're not seeing the the transformative breakthrough because we're not dealing with those with those belief systems. So it's good. It's great. Yeah. I think it's also interesting. I think you were speaking about it, maybe Brad, a few weeks ago, um, that in Hebrew context, when they refer to the heart and mind. Um, there, for them, often there was no separation. That the heart and mind were one. Um, would you mind speaking a little bit more about that? I, I don't quite recall, but um, yeah, <laughs> maybe it was someone else that I was listening. It to. It might have been. <laughs> yeah, that was. Oh, was it? In that, yes. Okay, it was from that video that I said. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think again, probably we compartmentalize ourselves in a yeah. way that that. Uh, the Bible doesn't. We do it, you know, body, soul, spirit, you know, mind, will, and emotions to, to help us to, to engage. But the reality is our heart has thoughts, you know. It even talks, I think it's in um, 1 Corinthians 2, it talks about, you know, the mind of our of our heart, like our mind and our heart are connected. And it's where the Holy Spirit dwells as well, that we have the mind of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit. So it says the spirit of a person, you know, understands all of their thoughts in the same way the Spirit of God knows all of God's thoughts, you have the mind of Christ, which means you have all of God's thoughts existing in you by the Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit dwell? He dwells in our hearts. So our, our cognitive brain and our language centers and all of those things are one one part of it. But the reality is there's a this whole language of of, of our internal world, uh, which has has intellect, is is cognitive as well. Um, one thing that we've you know we find with people even in a prayer ministry session, you can tell people who are a bit they they've been trained to not consider their heart, and so they get into their mind and they're answering questions out of their mind. And so we get people to say, okay, just stop for a second, just put your hand on your heart, and to say, heart, what did what did you think in that moment? What and then all of a sudden, this whole different picture of the scenario comes out because we go, well, this is what I thought, this is what makes sense, and this is probably what I was meaning. It's like, but actually the heart was responding in a totally separate way. Uh, oftentimes we do, as, as, as children, we have an experience and our heart responds. 
as adults, we look back at that experience and we rationalize things. It might be about our, our parent or, an, I understand now as a parent, oh, look, this is hard and, you know, you're tired and you get a bit angry at your kids or whatever and, you know, Sorry, Siri. Uh, you know, you, you get a bit crossy. Oh, but, you know, so I understand why my dad was like that. He had a really stressful job and so he treated me that way. And, you know, I, I make sense. I forgive my dad. Yet your heart in that moment said, why is dad angry? I was doing my best and then he's yelling at me and he's not. So your heart's having all of these responses. And that's actually what gets carried through into your adult life. Your brain has matured and your mind has been kind of renewed and yet your heart has stayed the same because it's been neglected. And we live in a culture, especially Western and male culture, where we're not trained to engage with, with our hearts. Uh, I'm just saying in particular with men. It, it's kind of more encouraged with with women but it's certainly like no no, i can't toughen up and no you'll be right and essentially ignore your heart because you've got to be and harden your heart so that you stop crying and just kind of get on with the job um and it's 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 toxic and it produces a yeah i think it's also i think what you mentioned earlier is we live in a culture too where you know information is everywhere um and and we pride ourselves on having a lot of knowledge and and the answers and it was really interesting just, just this last year, maybe end of last year, we were um, at a rehearsal and, and one of the uh, guys that plays with us, uh, Yoi, who's an older Filipino guy, and he just turned around and we were talking about different things and try, I think trying to understand some stuff, you know, as you do. And, um, and he, he turned around and he just said the simple thing, he says, we were never designed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We were designed to eat from the tree of life. And it's just, you know, after years of following Christ, and my wife had said that to me a bit earlier, but I didn't quite listen to her. But when Yoi said it, um, and it just, it just dawned on me, wait a minute. You know, and you, then you go to Romans 8, and he talks about, you know, it talks about living in the Spirit. And, and so much of what we try and do is we try and just rationalize. And we try to, and we, you know, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our, our thoughts. And, but we, we bring it down to our, our level. Um, and I think what we need to start doing is we need to start being comfortable allowing Holy Spirit into those places in our hearts to be able to then see transformation and to be able to actually um, experience maturity. So in, in saying that, can we circle back? So you, you went through the different soil conditions there in Matthew 13. And so we come to the good soil. Um, and it, again, and again, I might be a slow learner. It, dawn on me that that's just doesn't naturally happen it's not uh, you know god's going around throwing some seed and you go oh, sorry jody you happen to have rock and that's actually our responsibility that is actually our role in this partnership that that uh, that we co-labor um, in the sanctification process um but i think it's really important to understand that we co-labor out of a place out of a revelation of who he is, what he's done for us, rather than the striving of, oh, I've got to be this, I've got to clean up, I've got to, you know. So I'd love for us to be able to, to spend some time on that, you know, understanding that healthy place of we're doing this out of response of who Christ really is um, and what he's done and out of wanting to conform to his likeness why so that we can be his light we can be his soul we can be his his hands and feet you know so i'd love love some thoughts on that i think it's really 
pivotal. You know, there's just this one degree all the time we find in, in, in often in our Christian walk, right? We start with the best intentions. Churches start with the best intentions and preachers do, and then it's just this one degree, and next thing you know, you're off here. Um, and the reality is we want to cultivate healthy soul. We do, because we want to be more like Christ. Why? Because that's the place that we're most at peace with in, in right? That's when the peace that surpasses all understanding flows. That's where the hope that he gives us is. Um, so I'd love to be able to just spend a little bit of time on that. I think, I mean, it's our created purpose is to yeah. be like him. We're made in his image to come back fully Absolutely. conformed to his image and his likeness. Yeah. It's God's delight because it's it's for our benefit as well. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think there's a couple of things there where <clears throat> um, because for the majority of us, so in childhood you don't know how to manage your your heart and tend to the soil of your heart so inevitably things get planted that aren't from god and and trees have grown up and so there's just fruit in your life and to to go and then just go okay i'll try and do the soil now those things have taken it's like a, a tree um i'm sure if you dug around some of these gum trees and the the soil might be bad but those root systems are gone so far they're down on the water tables like you could probably, you know, spread all sorts in that soil and make it really bad soil. And they're like, they're going to keep growing. And so we could then say, well, I'm, I'm tilling the soil and I'm pulling out weeds. I'm doing all these things. There's still bad fruits. So actually, because you need the Lord to come and cut that tree down. Um, and so that's, and that's really a, like a prayer ministry type approach of actually getting to the roots of the Holy Spirit coming and actually uprooting those entire things. So that would be one part to I think to, to recognize but I think the others then is looking at well what does it mean to soften the soil to kind of to till the soil in a way and I think that's uh, you know worship is a great a great way of of doing that of just softening my heart before God giving attention to that space inviting Holy Spirit just to, to be speaking into that space um, and and the journey is always it's like God revealing something and then dealing with something it's like Revealing and dealing and healing uh, is is that process, and so there might things might shock us when we start looking in that place. Oh my gosh, that's so ugly and that's so gross, and and yet I'm not defined by that because that doesn't belong in the in in my garden anymore, and yet it is me. And wow, I have been doing that. Wow, that's so embarrassing that I've was operating out of that motivation, and just embracing all of the emotion of that. That's so humiliating. Well, okay, but that's okay because it's humbling journeying with someone recently and they had a bit of an outburst and it was in front of people and and I was saying to them the other day I'm like because like I'm so embarrassed and I'm like yeah but I think you'll look back and you'll be so there'll be a time where you'll be so glad that you were embarrassed because for the first time the behavior got revealed and you got exposed and now people have seen in and they get to see in with you and and you weren't rejected you weren't neglected you weren't cast away someone saw your heart they saw that and then and people like hey we want to enter into that space and so again that requires that healthy community around you as well um so it's it's yeah oh yeah i was just um just to um expand a little bit further on that belief those belief systems which i yeah it's just such a crucial part in creating that healthy soil because we don't know what we don't know. Like our belief systems and what we believe are often met, like formed really, really early on in our um, childhood. 
so much of what we believe, especially about ourselves. And, you know, acknowledging the spiritual side of that, the enemy is no respecter of age at all. And young children are the easiest targets to plant lies in. And so like an example, when you have like a little seven-year-old running out, you know, in the garden, you know, and at school, and then another little, you know, peer comes along and says, oh, you're so stupid. I can't believe you don't understand, you know, those things. And that little seven-year-old does not have any maturity at all to sit there and go, oh, you know, that actually was another seven-year-old that I'm allowing to define me, that, you know, they've, they don't really have what it takes to speak into my identity. All they feel is an emotion of, oh, that hurt, absorb, and attaches to identity on who they believe and what they believe about who they are. And these belief systems, and often what the enemy can do is he knows where the weak spot is and it just can draw and draw and little things can happen. A teacher can say a comment out of frustration. Little things can happen and soon enough that child grows up believing, I am stupid. They get a call of God on their life. They've had a call of God on life their whole time and they're like, I can't do that. I'm stupid. And they get immobilized and they sit and that's, you know, and it's, and it's a belief system that is formed that often we don't even know that we have because the other thing with these belief systems, these negative belief systems, is we protect them, which is crazy because they're so attached often to shame and wounding. And so we pop them in our little vaults in our hearts and we've got all alarm bells around them so that when anyone comes alongside and starts to poke or touch or do these things, we react. Like, you know, and then everyone is like, well, let's stay away from that topic. <laughs> so you've got a whole system going where you are securely protecting these lies, this belief system that we have about ourselves or about God or about others. And it is solidly secure in our hearts. And we don't even know what we don't know because a lie is only as powerful as the belief you give it. Like when you, when you stop and you sit on that, you go, it's not that it's true, but it has so much power over every action, over everything you do, because it's your truth. And so I, you know, in forming healthy soil, it has to be that opening, like allowing Holy Spirit to come access the vaults of our hearts those places because we probably don't even I many of them I didn't even know existed in my heart and as it was revealed and then things began to change about the way I view myself and then the way I viewed God and those two are foundational then in because if we have wrong belief system about God you know when we're reading the word of God and it keeps these blockages keep coming up like we're reading this and we're like you know like Brad was saying we're reading the word of God and we're going yes it's true this is true but it's just hitting that light it's hitting that you know that vault and it keeps coming in conflict so it just can't absorb into the heart then we're going to actually we need to at those moments they are great red flag moments where you go okay God What's stopping me believing your word? <laughs> What's this blockage that's happening? And that's it's usually attached to some, you know, when you but those that belief system is so unbelievably important in allowing Holy Spirit to uproot those places, bring healing, because that way then, you know, those other things, hundred percent worship, prayer, all those things. And I think that's so. the thing when it comes to changing I can change my mind on something. I can come to a new revelation, new understanding. I can't just change my heart on something. Um, so there's a there's actually a process. So it's through repentance, 
um, that, that our heart gets changed. It's through renouncing those lies. So there's power. There's actually um, principles in the Word of God that tell us how to actually come out of that. But I think sometimes it's like, oh, no, but I don't, I don't believe that anymore because I think differently about that now. But the reality is, no, I still believe that on the inside, and that foundational lie is so, so deep. Uh, in a larger house, they talk about you might have a foundational lie, and then you have what's called experiential lies. It's like the tower that's built on top because it's like uh, you have that belief about myself and then I remember I failed that test. Oh, it's because I'm stupid. And and then, uh, you know, this happened oh, it's because I'm stupid and we keep building upon. So we've, we get to 30 years old and we look back and someone's like, you're not stupid, you're really smart. No, 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 let me tell you all of the evidence. Here's the filing cabinet of all the things in my life that have proved that I'm stupid. And yet they're just experiences that don't say, oh, yeah, I made a mistake or I forgot that thing. And they, they weren't big things, but they become such a huge thing to us because that, that little seed now has produced this ginormous tree. And it's a lot harder to, to see. And, and, and it's a, I mean, it's simple for Holy Spirit to cut down, but we have to do that journey to get to that place. Who's got the microphone? Got the microphone. Um, I think... Uh the answer to my sister's question there before was Romans 8.1. It says there's no condemnation in Christ. Um, so if you want to write that card, write it because there's no condemnation in Christ. Um, and we've got to stand on that. It's like I'm, I'm the father of my daughter and she stays my daughter from birth to death. And in that period, there's a journey. And God is with that journey with you. So if your motive is not right in that moment, you stay God's child. And there is no question whether the moment the motive is good or bad. I train her up over 30, 40, 50 years. So when you're a new Christian, your motive might be wrong. There's still no condemnation in Christ. And as I journey with her at the age of 40, 50, 60, because she beholds in a mirror Christ likeness, she changed in that journey into Christ's likeness. Um, so it's very important to realize that there is no condemnation in Christ. And I think the other thing I want to add is, um, if we, the reason why I speak about fruit, is it's not about the fruit. It's about the tree. You speak about fruit because you want to know whether the tree is a bad tree or a good tree. Um, you know, Matthew 7 says, so every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So fruit is to test whether you're in Christ or not. Fruit is not to show that you're a good or a bad Christian. Fruit shows whether you belong to Christ or not. And we know the same thing is repeated in John 15. Um, you are already clean. Because of the word which I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you. Now, that is, that is not try and abide in me. That's a statement that if you're in me, if you say, you abide in me. Um, it, abide in me because you're grafted in, correct? Um, thank you for that. As the branch cannot bear bread food of itself unless it abides in a vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away. And as a branch, and he dries up, and they gather them, and they cast them aside. And in verse 8, my father is glorified by this, that you bear 
much fruit because you're him, because there's no condemnation. Um, and then I just want to read this once um, in um, Ephesians 1 as well. Uh, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is brilliant to, if you don't understand Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, you won't understand 6 to fight the war because you first got to understand we are in Christ. Um, and this one verse says, um, 1 verse 11, also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. To the end, that we who were the first to hope in Christ, that hope is faith, um, would be to the praise of his glory. And it's the same thing as in 15. So there's no condemnation in Christ. So the fruit, when you're a Christ Christian, you bear good fruit. When you're bad Christian, when you're unsaved, you don't bear. And the tree is good, the tree is bad, the tree is thrown in, uh, in, in, into the fire. Um, and what we're talking about, about good fruit or bad fruit, then, what we probably mean is that journey that we're on of working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And you're making mistakes, and the grace of God comes and the blood covers that. Um, thanks for sharing. Uh, if I look at the evidence of Christian in churches, I see bad fruit. So I don't feel being connected, being a Christian necessarily is um, the full encompassment of what, like, cool, I'm a Christian, that means everything I do is good fruit. I, I, th I think... The evidence suggests we see bad fruit in Christians. And if I look at those, even coming to the crew and the homelessness, there's so much bad fruit in Christians that come and serve. And often most of our problems are with Christians, which is just really interesting. Because I think we justify our bad behavior as I'm, I'm in Christ and so I'm a good person. But we, we don't look at the, the bad fruit that comes from our lives. And I think what I found from, from my journey and from... Um, being part of this community I'm part of now is that um, we, if we stop pretending that um, we're good people and start saying, like, I'm a follower of Jesus and that means I get to go on a journey with Jesus to deal with those things in my life that aren't right, I think that's when we start going the right direction. I think it's easy to say that I'm a Christian. It's easy for us to be a Christian but not follow Jesus. Like we can do it out of practice or name or I can read my Bible every day and unfortunately I can do that and not be a follower of Jesus. We can have great churches and big churches and have all this amazing music and things like that but not actually follow Jesus. And so I think like you're saying, it's the connection is actually the pursuit of Jesus and the journey with Jesus and that's when we see the good fruit. We're willing to come before him and I think, as you're saying, Jody, we often um, shut ourselves down or we, we look introspective, we see that stuff, and then we shut ourselves down, we put this lid on. But I think the reality is we were all designed to have intimacy, I think, with each other and with God. And what we do is when we see bad, bad stuff in our life or bad behaviours and stuff, we shut ourselves down. And intimacy only comes through vulnerability. So if I'm actually not fully myself, I can't actually be... I can't have intimacy. And I think if we're not fully um, 
we don't admit to the full reality of what's going on in our life to Jesus. I don't think we can have intimacy with him. See, intimacy only with him only comes with me fully revealing myself. And I think, I'm not sure if you're going to talk about the woman at the well, but um, to me, what was amazing about her is um, Jesus sees the fullness. I'm assuming most people here know about it. Jesus calls out basically the mess in her life and then reveals himself as the saviour, the Messiah. It's like she's she gets this amazing revelation and intimacy is developed in the place of full vulnerability. You would think in that point of vulnerability she would have been rejected, but in that point of vulnerability and Jesus is the, is the first person who reveals himself to to that extent. So I think the more we look at those things in our life that don't align with Jesus, I think it comes from intimacy with Jesus. And I think the more we reveal ourselves, the more Jesus reveals himself to us. I think that's where we go for it. I love them. Danny Silk calls, it's like intimacy is into me see. Yeah. <laughs> is that look, that ability to look inside and see every part of, of, of who I am. And uh, But again, yeah, it does require a safe space. So I think even as you, you know, you um, that scripture, which I've, you know, proclaimed so many times over, you know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Normally after I've given a really hard sermon. And, um, uh, but even in that, like, it's like, yes, we know that scripture and we stand on that scripture. But if my heart believes the opposite, it is it 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 produces nothing in me. If at some point in my life I've come to believe the lie that I am condemned or that God does condemn me or He may condemn me if I do this thing or I cross that line, then my heart's locked and I'm like, no, no, there's no condemnation. And yet, why do I feel condemned all the time? It's because my heart has come to believe, and maybe because of a lie, and there's something kind of locked away. But I try and almost just override my heart beliefs with with right thinking now we do need right thinking we absolutely do we need our minds renewed we need and we need to sometimes stand and declare in faith things you know the the unseen that it would become seen but if we're declaring by faith that which we don't believe in our hearts we actually don't have faith because faith resides in the heart we have right thinking but we have um unbelief in our hearts even as the disciples said to jesus jesus we believe help our unbelief and uh, and one of the the lines when they talk about prayer ministry for with the elijah house thing is uh, evangelizing the unbelieving parts of the human heart so we all have these things yes i believe but god I help my unbelief and some of that's the journey of actually taking those truths and having them actually planted that's the truths that jesus talks about these seeds that they would find a resting place and they would find a resting place because there's not another plant in its place that's growing up producing the opposite of that mm-hmm. truth. So there can there needs to be sometimes that uprooting. But uh, again, I think as we share all of this stuff, there's there are tools available, and we're not we're not saying all right, go and I gotta go look at my fruit and process and just like no no no, no just yeah. just relax. <laughs> um, the the longer you journey with Jesus, you realize how how much funky stuff there is in there and it's almost like we can be shocked and oh my gosh i can't believe that i had all that stuff in there and, and yet god's seen it all the time god knows you and he loves you and he fully accepts you and there absolutely is no condemnation he doesn't come from that perspective but the revelation will come and then all of this is like awesome me and you holy spirit we got some work to do and, and he's and so delight. gentle isn't he like it's his kindness at least he's repentance. so gentle and he's so trustworthy and he is so faithful. And whatever he reveals, I guarantee you he's going to heal it. He reveals to heal. He doesn't just bring up all this stuff and be like, oh, look, and there you go. 
catcher. <laughs> you know, everything he reveals in his heart, he he's he's so kind and and totally faithful and he holds it beautifully. So he's you know, he's not going to be like, okay, here's like, you know, the encyclopedia of your heart and everything that's wrong, <laughs> you know. He just brings it up slowly, deals with it, and then you see the neck. And it's just, yeah, it's such an amazing, and he's so trustworthy with our hearts. And God God always reveals in order to heal. Yeah, he doesn't always. reveal to expose us, no, to, to mock us, to say, oh, but you, just so you know, yes. I'm holy and you're gross. It's not, he reveals in order yeah. to heal. But yeah. that which we ignore and don't allow the, the Lord to heal – it just does pop up then again in our life. So the sooner yeah. we, he reveals, all right, let's do the journey, God. Oh, I'm going to go confess that to someone and I'm yeah. going to go and get the right sort of support and help. And then we can all of a sudden, and, and that's been my experience, the things that I've, the encounters I've had with Holy Spirit in prayer ministry moments where things have been uprooted, all of a sudden, I just don't, I don't struggle with that thing anymore because there's no, there's nothing giving it life. Yeah. And then the tree just starts to wither and die and, and then, you're welcome to pull that one up, Jesus, and burn that in the fire. Because uh, it'll make, yeah. Just think of all of the sin in your life and how much good firewood's going to come out of it. So, and sometimes it's, it's crazy when you when we say it like that. It's like, why do we even try to run? Why do we try to hide? Why do we try to somehow suppress and carry this stuff on our own? Like, you know, he he just is so faithful and trustworthy with every aspect of our hearts, all of it. I think that's where shame becomes such a huge motivator um, because we've talked a lot about exposure and looking in the mirror. Um, For my life going through addiction and stuff, when God exposed things, his heart was to heal. But it was so scary for me. So I pushed it back down with more shameful things because I felt so much shame. But as soon as I was put in a community that had a heart to see people set free, I realized it was a safe place so that when God exposed things, I was around people who could actually walk me through that and actually say, no, you're loved, you're accepted, this is the heart of God, you know. Like I went through a stage, I had truth coaches that my counselor wrote for me and and I went 63 days, I kept a tally of actually going through all these truth coaches, you know, and one of them was like, I was really skinny, so when I started putting on weight, I would feel really ugly and I had to look myself in the mirror for 63 days and say, I'm made in the image of God and that is what makes me beautiful. And then one day it just becomes true. And that's the power of confession as well, that when, you know, God exposes things, just confess it and it just loses its grip. That's great. Sorry, Greg, you were going to go? I love what you say um, over the back about just the renewing of our mind and often I've seen in that heart journey is the heart journey takes out the roots, but then you need a new pattern of thinking because it's easy to fall back into mm. that and you lie back in. Mm. Um, but once you've dealt with the roots and you've gone through forgiveness and repentance, often it's you're having to form new pathways in your mind of rethinking the truth. Mm. And so that's where, like you're saying, of just going over and over, no, this is the truth and this is the truth and I'm not going to let that lie back in. just going to say I'm reminded of the scripture in 2 Corinthians 7.10 that says, Godly sorrow leads to repentance. 
So the grief is not the end. It says unto salvation in the end. So every time I have godly, I have sorrow, then I ask the Holy Spirit, where is this sorrow based on or where is it coming from? Because like you said, God reveals to heal. So the grief is never the end. The revealing is not the end, but life after. So he brings you into a joy and, and healing. Amen. And you said something about the heart believing. Your mind knows, but your heart doesn't know. And for a long time, I walked a journey where there was this significant person in my life. And I knew they did the best they could. But my heart couldn't shake off the feeling of, why can't I talk to this person freely? Because then, until the Holy Spirit revealed in my heart, there is trauma there that needs to be healed. So then he healed the trauma and brought me back to life. Then I was able to reconcile with my mind and tell my mind, okay, now you can believe this truth. So every time you have that sorrow, ask the Holy Spirit, where is this sorrow coming from? Because if it is of God, it will bring you back to life and not to death. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 I think as we uh, kind of wrap up maybe this session, um, for me, you know, with this whole this whole conversation is I think one of the important things to remember is that we serve a redemptive God. And his heart is to redeem our brokenness. And we are to be made into form into his likeness. And and you know, with with all of this, I think one of the things that we've got to keep in mind too, all of this so we can see his kingdom come, his will be done. You know, often he does the work in us, he's because he sees us and we are important. But it's for others, and um, and I think it's just so important to remember that. I think it's so important to remember that He is a redemptive God. Um, and as we as we look at all of this, you know, it's 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 okay. I think one of the things that we've got to be comfortable with is mess. Um, it's become such a taboo, you know, and we 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 live in a culture where we just put up these facades and we pretend that it's all okay. Um, and as Brad said earlier, God knows. <laughs> he sees right through all of us, you know. Um, and, and he's okay with the mess. There's a psalm, um, I can't remember which one it was, but he says, the darkness, Lord, is closer to me than you are. And, and I, I listened to a message by Tim Keller once, and he, he was saying, it's in the Bible because God is actually okay with that as long as you're acknowledging to him that you're not in a great place. And, um, and, and so we, we should be okay with that. Um, because that's when it gives him the opportunity to come in and start to do what he needs to do. Um, so, yeah, I hope you enjoyed um, the conversation. And, and we've got a lot to cover. I don't think we even covered any of uh, half of what we, we were going to do today. But I think that's our, our heart is that Holy Spirit would lead it and that you guys would get involved. Um, and as Brad said earlier and Greg said earlier, there are pathways to this. And, and I think, you know, um, so often we get stuck in just our constructs and we build these structures around our faith and we go, this is how it has to be. Our God is much bigger than that. And I think all we would ask for as you come and as you participate is that you would come with open hands. Lord, do what you need to do in my heart. Do what you need to do in my life so that I will conform to your likeness, so that I will see your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, so... Jody, I might invite you to pray maybe before we finish. And then, um, yeah, we've got the dates for the, the the next few. I know Friday can be a bit bit of a bit of a difficult one. There's a lot of things going on. But um, we'll keep to that for now. And if we do change, we'll let you know on, on, on 
Facebook. But um, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for participating. Um, learned, I know I've sat here learning so much, so I'm hugely grateful. But Teddy, would you like to finish up the prayer? Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord, um, just for the work you are doing. And Lord, for every single person in this room, Lord, we just commit them to you. Lord, we trust you with everyone's heart. We thank you that you are faithful. You are trustworthy. Lord, we pray, Lord, that um, as we journey and continue to journey these discussions, Lord, that um, just that the foundation that each of us stand on is your love. Your, the absolute revelation of how much you love us. Lord, we pray that that is the foundation on this heart journey that we're taking over these next few months. And Lord, and we, um, we just trust you, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do in each and every heart here tonight, Lord. Um, we ask for your protection over hearts, protection over minds. And Lord, as we each go away and seek you and seek your word, Lord, we pray that you just continue to reveal your truth um, in each and every one of us, Lord, and, um, and that hunger just to continue to develop, to seek you, Lord, to know you, um, to keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord, because you are, Lord, you are the author of our life and you are the perfecter of our faith. And Lord, it is all in you. And so, Lord, we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.